Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. My name is Nick Bonney. I'm joined, as always, by my brilliant co-host, Lachlan Irvin. And today we're going to talk all things Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes contract extensions. Yes, the saga is over, Lachlan. Finally. Finally. Yes. Finally. It's officially... It's Well, I mean, not officially yet, obviously. They have it not... The Canucks have not made it official yet. We yeah, sorry. It's not official that. yet. It's it's pretty it's, close. I would say it's 95% there. Yeah, it's it's as look. It's the minute you start getting people like Elliot Friedman tweeting about it. The second you get Pierre LeBrun or Chris Johnston, or obviously here in our own market, the people who actually were doing a lot of the breaking. Yeah, get, put some respect on Sadiar Shah's name. He broke that. He broke that. He broke that Quinn Hughes name. He sure did. Sat did. Uh, Irfan Gaffar had a little had had a couple uh, had a couple tidbits here and there. Uh, obviously, Rick Dollywall always has the inside scoop, and then uh, Drancer was out there doing his uh, his due diligence as well. Uh, and yeah, this is and the, uh, somebody put it. I forget who exactly tweeted this yesterday. Somebody put a somebody put it very well that like it's not it's not often in a lot of other NHL markets that uh, local reporters are the ones breaking those like big contract deals. It's often you know, it's often either like the big national guys uh, or it's uh, it's just the team doing it themselves. Uh, it's not often you get the beat reporters doing do get getting in there and uh, and find and uh, getting the scoop. But uh, here we are. Yeah. Looking at a situation where your prediction almost came pretty close to, to, to true. I think we actually you know what? We were both almost pretty right in different spots. Like we both kind of had a little bit of we got a little bit of both of what we each wanted out of these out of these deals which we're going to go over today I, I remember my prediction it was three by eight for uh for both players and that came almost spot on for uh for Elias Pedersen not so much for uh for Quinn Hughes although the AV what was your prediction I don't remember your prediction. my prediction was I was ex- so I was expecting Quinn Hughes to get more to get in that like eight by eight range it's a little bit less like it's coming in at around um it's coming in at around six years so and uh I believe the uh I believe the AAV is also about like seven. So I was a little bit close on the term, a few years off on the, uh, on the long term, on the actual uh, uh, contract term. But overall, I'm not complaining about those contracts. I don't think you are either. No, not at all. I think, uh, I think both deals are pretty fair, but uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are about to put pen to paper on uh, two different contracts for uh, for the Vancouver Canucks to so get them in training camp finally, so we can see them in some preseason games and you know get them warmed up before the regular season starts in earnest. Elias uh, Patterson is reportedly about to sign a three-year, seven point seven million dollar AAV deal. Quinn Hughes, a bit longer deal, six years with an average annual value of seven point seven five million. You know, I recorded a, a video for Locked On Now last night. And I said at the time, especially the Quinn Hughes deal, I think this is a very, very good deal for the Vancouver X. You're essentially getting the prime of this guy's career for 7.75 a season. And yeah, look, Quinn Hughes, he had a down year last year. Yes, we all know that. But I think that was more circumstance. The whole team had a bad down year than Quinn Hughes just not being able to replicate the you know awesome rookie season that he had where he almost won the Calder over uh, 
over Kale McCarr. So I think that that Quinn Hughes deal is, is very fair. I think, you know, again, you're getting you're getting Quinn Hughes for the prime of his career for 7.75 essentially every year. And I still think, and I'm locked on, I'm sure you agree with me, Quinn Hughes still has the ability to be one of the premier defensemen in the National Hockey League. So when you can get that thing, when you can get that under eight million a season, great job by Jimbo. Great deal, Jimbo. We're all very happy for you. Uh, Elias Patterson, three years, seven point seven million dollars a season. So just under the three bo- uh, three by eight, I predicted. Not to brag or anything. Um, you know what? It's this is a tough one because sure, it would have been nice to go long with Elias Patterson. You can never go wrong going with these franchise centers long term. But just with the cap space the Canucks had, the situation they're in, they're really only going to be able to go long with one of these players, right? And uh, you mentioned it on a previous episode of Locked On Canucks that it was probably going to have to be Quinn Hughes because that was probably the easier long-term deal to do in terms of AAV. So, yeah, 7.7 for Elias Pettersson. I would have loved to see Elias Pettersson go long-term, but that is still a great deal for Elias Pettersson in the short term, right? Like, he is probably worth, on a long-term deal, I'm thinking nine, nine and a half. So to get him at 7.7 for the next three seasons, including this one, you have you have a bit of space in the next three years to build around that before you have to pay him again. So for bo- both deals and all, I like them. I like the Quinn Hughes deal more, obviously, because you have that long-term certainty of Quinn Hughes at that price. But I think both deals were, were it was pretty well done by uh, by Jim Benning and the, and the Vancouver Canucks. For sure. I think both of them are, they, they did, I think they did a very good job at finding a way to make both contracts work in a way that's uh, beneficial to them, to, to the team. Cause that is at the end of the day, what you need, what, if you're a general manager, your job is, is not necessarily always to find the best deal for the player. It's to find the best deal for you and what works for you. But I think they found a deal here that more or less works for both sides pretty well and gets both sides what they want. Obviously Pedersen wanted a lot more money. And probably could des- and pro- and you could make a very good argument that he already deserves that more money uh, from a big contract. But the Canucks don't have it, so they did a very don't have that cap room available to them. So the contract that they got for a bridge deal that still keeps them in RFA territory. So you get to go to that second negotiation and keeping it under under eight million because usually you see a lot of those those bridge contracts the idea is that they purposely pay them say a lot more than their market value just so just be just to appease them for taking the the shorter term and going to that second contract the fact that they were able to keep that number under eight is honestly shocking because you could argue he he's worth already a lot more than seven point seven um and hughes on the other hand is a little bit of a different is a is an interesting situation i uh, again, like we, like I've said before, um, r- young defensemen in this in the in today's NHL, young puck moving defensemen command in an, command an insanely high price, and that is because of how rare and ha- how hard it is to find a generational bona fide good puck moving defenseman. Yeah, like, ask any Canucks fan how hard that is. It's been we've been waiting fifty years for one. Yeah, exactly. Been, the Canucks have never really had one. They no, they have, they have the Canucks have never had like it. It I think there were a lot of cases like I remember in in Quinn's rookie year thinking like okay he's already like one of the top five best defensemen in franchise history and that's more to do with the fact that there just haven't been a lot of amazing defensemen in the in the Canucks history. They've had some very good ones. They've had some fan favorites. They haven't had like a 
absolute like this is a game breaking sort of defenseman. They've had they've come close. Like Alex Edler is clearly the number one defenseman, but he was never a game breaker. Uh, it, he his, came pretty close to being that stud number one. I remember in the 2011-12 season, he had like 50 something points, looking like a stud, and then like never really became that number one stud defenseman, right? Which is which is fine. Like he was still a very serviceable defenseman for a number of years. But yeah, the Canucks have never really had that you know Norris caliber. I would say emphasis on Norris caliber. Uh, defenseman before and they they have that i think long term in quinn hughes so it's hard to get mad about the quinn hughes deal i think yeah i will say that just based on you know what again like i said the rarity of of a player of his caliber i would have liked to see them get that term up to eight i would have liked to seen them buy into those extra two years even if it cost a little more money to do so but i at the same time i'm not going to complain all that much about you know a getting a getting a franchise defenseman under you, you were just under, complaining under eight well, just I'm not going to, I, okay. There's a difference between complaining and critiquing. I feel like there's a very important difference between, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to, I don't know, I'm sound like to, complaining like, to me. I'm, to, I'm no, there's, there's a, there's a very <laughs> important difference between I'm allowed to be, give constructive criticism without, you know, without going into the, is that what we're calling complaining now? No, no. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Um, like, but you know, you buy two UFA years out of this. You're buying two two of his free agent years out of this. You would have liked to seen a little more, maybe. But at the price that you're getting him for, it's 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 honestly manageable. By the time you get to renegotiating on that contract again, like it, you'll still you he'll he'll cost probably a lot more. But you will have gotten most of his prime years. So you can either at that point decide whether or not you want to do another. Uh, another long-term deal with him it might be beneficial to you or if you're feeling it maybe by that point in six years the team's already kind of reached the reached its uh its peak and 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 sort of and sort of uh decides that maybe it's ready to move on it's a good six is a good healthy a healthy number to land on especially at that price range well Kale McCarr also got six years at uh six years from the Colorado Avalanche right so I think that was probably the main comparable Quinn Hughes' yes. camp was looking at, right, was uh, Kale McCarr. He got the six years, so not surprising to me uh, Quinn Hughes got uh, six years, right? Yeah, probably they were looking at McCarr, especially because, you know, McCarr obviously won the Calder the year the year he the year uh Hughes was the was the runner up I think that play I think that plays in a lot in those in those uh negotiations if you like if you're the win if you're winning if you win the trophy that immediately sets a market behind you kind of thing it's kind of like a grading curve almost um and you know they obviously looked at say like Rasmus Dahlin's contract as well I'm sure Miro Heiskanen's uh recent deal came into play as well um, all of these guys very, very much in that similar vein of very good young puck moving defensemen, and Hughes, and they're coming in with Hughes. They're getting Hughes for six years on a very team friendly contract. Uh, it is, it, he, but while still paying him clearly the most of any defenseman on the team. Same thing goes for Pedersen. Both of them are going to be the two highest paid players on the team next season. And that, and it still leaves a little bit of money left over uh, to improve the team for this season. So that's uh that's not, that's not a bad thing at all. They've done pretty well here. Yeah. And for Elias Pedersen's deal, obviously, like I said, I think you'd agree with me, Lachlan, because I, I think I know the way you think now after doing this podcast with you for a week and a half, uh, you would have liked to see Elias Patterson go long-term with the Vancouver Canucks. Again, having a franchise center locked up long-term is probably, is never really a bad bet. But now for the next three years, you have Elias Patterson at a pretty good price, right? Like under $8 million for Elias Patterson. 
I take that every day of the week. Yes, your biggest worry really with the with like say a bridge deal, of course, is just the fact that you know eventually in three years, which isn't that long from now, really. It's not. It's by the end of this season, it'll be two. Uh, that say that that you're gonna have to make a big a bigger commitment again, and you know the way the Canucks the way the Canucks have sometimes handled their cap situation at times, uh, you worry that that money that you worry about what's gonna happen that second time that second time around when there's only I believe one UFA year left. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see if this time around the Canucks are more careful about managing what that year what it what the what their cap situation will look like in year three be and how much money they allocate and leave to leave to make way room for his next contract and that goes for what's going to happen say next season with uh i believe brock besser's contract is up his bridge deals up at the end of this yep. year uh bo horvats is not is up pretty soon from is pretty soon from now too jt miller's is up pretty soon there's a lot of important contracts coming up in the near future and you hope the canucks looked at this situation that they kind of put themselves in here with Pedersen and go, okay, we can't have this again. We need to, if we're going to, if we're going to leave money, if we're going to have uh signed guys to long-term deals, we need to make space. We need to leave as much room as possible for those guys when that contract negotiation comes into play. Yeah. And that's the worry. Uh, if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan is, you know, they get into themselves into another cap crunch in three years and they don't have the money to pay Elias Pedersen. And they're kind of, screwed that way and that and that really has been one of the critiques of the bending era right is the long-term planning he is jim benning is very relatable in the sense that he's just says you know what that's future jim benning's problem today i'm just going to sign these deals tomorrow i'm going to worry about the leas patterson deal in three years and as plenty of examples of that coming back to bite him so that's a good segue to talk about i think the long-term ramifications of these new deals for the vancouver canucks but before you do that I want to talk to everyone about fan tracks. Fantasy hockey season is fast approaching, and I'm going to give you an inside track on the absolute best fantasy hockey platform in the industry. It's fan tracks. Fan tracks free NHL fantasy hockey league manager. It's the most customizable, easy to use, and feature rich platform in the industry. This is where I host all of my fantasy hockey leagues. And as a commissioner of some, I can tell you I will never, ever leave fan tracks. Sign up. For free today, and as a special offer for Locked On, your team fans, you'll be entered to win an official signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Locked On and sign up today. Okay, so let's get into, Lachlan, the long-term ramifications of these two deals for the Vancouver Canucks. And you did mention it uh, a couple of minutes ago, but... Now that the Vancouver Canucks over the next few offseasons are going to pretty much have to run a gauntlet of, of contract negotiations, right? Like you mentioned it, next uh, at the end of this season, Brock Besser is going to be a uh, arbitration-eligible uh, RFA. I believe his qualifying offer is around $7.5 million. So that means yeah, that's the minimum he's going to have to make on it, on his next new deal, right, is uh, $7.5 million. And the season after, Bo Horvat and JT Miller are both RFAs. Then you have a bit of a break, you know, in 2024, 25, Tanner Pearson, Jason Dixon going to be off the books. So is Tyler Myers. They could obviously re-sign some of those, but those are going to be the UFAs in that. So you have a bit of a break there. And then obviously the uh, the next season, you're going to have uh, Elias Patterson. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty tough, but it's, it's going to be take some planning and it's going to be a gauntlet. Like every season for the most part, 
you're going to every offseason for the most part, you are going to have some sort of big piece of this core to renegotiate a, a new deal with, right, Lachlan? It's going to be tough. It's going to take some planning. Yeah, and that's not even factoring in, say, the potential of, like, say, in three years, uh, Facility Pud Colson's entry-level contract is also going to be up. So you got to throw that in there. Uh, you never – and any prospects that might uh, jump into the mix and uh, make a big difference. Uh, Nils Hoaglander, I'm sure, has got, I believe, two more years uh, before his next deal has to be negotiated. Um, there's there's a lot of – there's a lot of uh, – big important deals that are going to be uh all come together and over the next few years and this is the this is the what separates the best gms from the the not so great the not so great ones is how 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 able are you to sell a vision to players how how are how good are you at being able to sell them on the fact that this is not only is this a stanley cup champion but the on the idea that this is a team that managed by you by you as the gm that there you're going to build a winner and by taking say either less money or less term what have you there is that they will be able to compete and build a champion you see it in like say tampa bay where they've done an insanely good job at being able to take guys like nikita kucherov and steven stamkos and pay them arguably way less than their market value well it helps when there's no state income tax See, you know, that is true. That is definitely true. But I also think that um, I think there are way there are ways around that. Like the we don't talk about it enough. There are definitely ways yeah. to essentially shut to make it make it more on uh, feasible and and say take less of that income tax that that whole income tax thing out of the equation. I think um, especially like like I think we like I mentioned this on a, a few episodes ago. Like uh, the whole. You know, if you're a if you're a player in Vancouver, if you're a top a superstar in Vancouver, the amount of money you're going to make on endorsements and and appearances at other things, like the amount of money you can make away from the rink, is astronomical. And I, and I remember this conversation too, Lockett, and I said if that's the case, then every big free agent from Ontario would sign it with the Maple Leafs. That, but they don't always want that. But they don't always want to play in Toronto. They might not want to. That that's not always fact. That's always factoring in the. Uh, you know, that's fact. You have to factor in obviously whether or not they even want to play in that market. So it's about it. If it's about money, there are ways to fix that. If it's ways, of, if there are ways that a player doesn't want, just do, isn't interested or doesn't like the, uh, the the focus essentially, then then there then that's something you can't do, you can't fix. But all of these players seem to like playing in Vancouver. They seem to they seem to be very comfortable playing in this market. And I think if you're if the Canucks are doing their job well, uh, are doing their job well as management, they can they can they should be able to sell them on the idea that they can build a winner around them. That they can um, that and that by taking say like a little less money here and there they can make it worth their while and they specifically in the form of a championship. But that goes, that is, that has to start with management proving it to them uh, by building around them and bringing in the right pieces around them. They seem to have done a little bit of that this year with Connor Garland and Jason Dickinson coming in, but, but two players don't make a team. So you got to just keep going. You got to keep showing that you're able to put a competitive team out there around those core guys. Yeah, and that's why it's going to be very important for the Vancouver Canucks to at least be competitive for the next few years because if there's a down year like that 2021 season, like that last season, uh, you can bet like one of Bo Horvat or JT Miller is walking. I would say more JT Miller at this point because he doesn't have that long-term connection 
to the Canucks. It wasn't drafted by the team like Horvat. He's not the captain. He's not the captain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What what have you? But it's going to be important for the Canucks every year to try and you know be a somewhat competitive team because it, it, they have a step back. And I can see one of these UFAs uh, walking. But Lachlan, we don't have to worry about the next contract for Quinn Hughes because that's six years from from now, right? Who knows if we're ever going to be doing this podcast in six years' time, right? Like, who knows where we're going to be in our lives in six years? But Elias Pettersson, like, in three years, he's going to be he's going to be an RFA, but he's going to need a, a new deal. And maybe we're getting our head ourselves here, but this is what I love about talking to Vancouver Canucks. We can time this discussion right this second as soon as he signs his second deal. What do you think Elias Patterson's third deal is going to be like for the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, man. Uh, man, I, we, he hasn't even signed the first. Um, I guess uh, it's so tough to say just because of, you know, right now the cap is flat, right? It's supposed to be flat for, yeah. I believe. And that's what you're banking on if you're Jim Benning and company, right? Is the, the cap going up in the next three years so you have a bit more wiggle room when it comes to negotiations. Right. You got to, I mean, yeah, you got to hope that the cap's going up. I mean, I would be, I, I forget exactly how many years they said it's going to stay flat. I believe it was three. I think they said from starting this year, this is the first of three. So by the time I guess Pedersen's contract expires, that should be going up. And by that point, you'll get to factor in uh, the, all the money that came in from the ESPN deals this year, the TNT contract, uh, any, any money they might get from renegotiating their Canadian rights. I believe that comes up soon i believe that 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 deal with rogers ends pretty soon so they might sign a new deal here in canada uh, relatively uh, in that in that timeline you also factor in say the uh the money that comes in from the expansion franchises in vegas and seattle um obviously vegas is a little bit more set in the set in the in the system already but seattle's brand new that money's going to be that all the revenue from that's going to come in over time in in share is that salary so, cap though because that just goes straight to the owners um is that, there, is that like, the salary cap there is there is re- there is uh like shared revenue and like the general basically it's about like the health of the league right like if the league is making more money o- year over year then that brings the cap up that brings that number up with it so yeah as long as people are going back to things and spending you know spending money and uh it's that and other companies are spending money on the league that all brings that cap up so i guess you could see a situation where Pedersen gets closer to say even in that double digit range by that point i think it's uh i i thought he honestly might get there on this first contract had the pandemic not happened uh but uh yeah i think you'll probably see something creep into closer say into that like 10 11 range that we're seeing right that we've seen already with guys like mcdavid and matthews i think you might uh down the line that might be where Pedersen ends up as well for every uh, for every RFA deal that's signed, it makes the uh, the Mitch Marner contract for the Leafs look worse and worse. Sorry, I had to I had to get I had to get a Leafs yeah. shot in this podcast somehow. You know, you yeah. know, I can't resist it, Lachlan. Yeah, they should. Yeah, that that was yeah that was a tough contract for sure. I think uh, I, he took him I to the cleaners. He took him to the cleaners. He sure did. I I mean, his agent did a great job. Um, uh, I would have given that. Yeah, if I were, if I personally, I would have given that money, that amount of money, to William Nylander for, for rather than him. But uh, uh, to each their own, I guess. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's enough lease talk uh, for this for this episode. That's uh, way way too much lease talk. But I had to get that shot in. Yeah, no. uh, so in, in just a moment, we're going to talk more about these Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes contracts. But how they affect the roster decisions heading up into the season because now they're back in camp some people are gonna lose their jobs on the on the big team but before we do that i want to talk to you about built bar do you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there is something truly for everyone 
when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorite flavors. They have flavors such as coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, classic flavors like orange, strawberries, cookies and cream. I'm a classic flavor guy myself. I like the basic orange, but to each their own. If you haven't tried all the flavors, guess what? You can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but also very healthy for you. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Order today, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is BetOnline.ag. We're back in better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Lachlan, I was I was checking out Bet Online last night. They have props for goalie save percentage. That might be your there that might go. be something you, you might have to get into get betting on goalie save percentages. None for Thatcher Demko just yet. I was looking. They don't have one for Demko just yet. But they have one for all all the big goalies. We have, that might be something to get you into sports gambling. I think betting oh, on goalies that way. That's a dangerous game for me, my friend. I will say with save. I will say with save percentage. Uh, it's a little bit of a team stat as well. Like you got to factor in, like depending on say, if you're a team that doesn't give up a lot of shots that can really factor into where you end up on that scale. So maybe I need to see, basically I need to see where this Canucks blue line is going to go before I do any, uh, save percentage prop betting. I need to see how, just how uh, porous the, the blue line is. I think you're going to be pleasantly, uh, you know, maybe not pleasantly, but you're going to be shocked at how probably how porous this Canucks defense is. Demko's going to be facing a lot of rubber this season, but uh, let's end this episode with this, Lachlan. Look, at least Patterson and Quinn Hughes are going to sign pen to paper to, on Friday. This, we're recording this Friday morning. Probably it, it, sometime today. today, they're going to have to get their way back to Vancouver for uh, Canucks training camp, which means some players who are there because Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes aren't there are now going to be gone. Uh, I think first and foremost, my boy Nick Batan has unfortunately uh, stated, uh, overstayed his welcome at this point with, uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Look, I would have loved to have him stay on the fourth line. It would have it made all my predictions from the 2015 World Juniors somewhat come true or at least have a bit of hope. But look, it was very clear he was, he was, a, uh, he was a placeholder for it, for Elias Patterson, even by the fact that Brock was calling him Petey. So... Uh, that's he's not he's not long for uh for a Canucks training camp I, I think at this point uh what who else do you think Lachlan is going to hurt from uh Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes coming back to training camp um I definitely well for starters Ole Olevi I think that's going to be a that's going to be a tough conversation with oh yeah him. he's I done think he might he's stay done. until I think he might stay until the end of training camp just well like we of, talked you know, about on, on a couple episodes ago he kills penalties like that's his saving grace that is his saving Truly. grace. And this team doesn't have a lot of penalty killers. So that might save him, frankly. 
But I do think eventually down the line, uh, I think the spot that he's been playing in uh, in the early preseason games and in the early training camp match uh, pairings have been kind of the holding holding, holding the fort down until Quinn Hughes t- was available to take over. Um, I think he's still, I think you'll, maybe you levy can beat out Brad hunt for number seven for that number seven spot. But I think the odds are pretty slim. I think it's going to be a bit of a tough go for him. Uh, I think, I think like, uh, yeah, we mentioned, um, yeah, Nick Patan is in a bit of a tougher spot right now. He's been, he's still, he, he's still here getting his opportunities, but I think the, the odds on him staying much staying uh, with the group are less and less, but that's fine. He's going to go to Abbotsford. He's going to play a lot of minutes and he might get that call up later on. Um, I think you're, yeah, I think more, it's going to be, yeah, most of those guys, maybe Justin Dowling is in a little bit of a tougher spot or like Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Dries, who's, uh, still trying, who's still trying to crack the roster. Any of like those fourth line guys who are, you know, were very much brought in to be like depth for the, um, for the Abbotsford team are going to be in a bit of a tougher situation. Uh, that is of course, uh, it could get, it could get harder depending on, uh, when, uh, whether or not we get Brandon Sutter back or Travis Hamannick, uh, decides he's going to play. Uh, those are, and those aren't, we haven't even really factored in that stuff yet because that could throw a whole other wrench into things. But as for, you know, right now, I think it's, yeah, I think mostly you're going to see guys like say like, uh, uh, yeah, like those guys, like the, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know someone like Alex Chason has earned his PTO deal, right? Like I think he's going to be on this main roster uh, by the time the regular season starts. Obviously, you've got like uh, Michael Furlan's going to be on LTIR. Brandon Sutter is probably going to be on the IR. He has some sort of weird mystery illness that no one really uh, knows about at this point, which kind of complicates things. Uh, is Hamnick today is October first, so we will have by the end of the day some sort of clarification on where Trav Hamnick uh, stands. I was thinking, you know, last night with the advancement in the Pedersen Hughes negotiations that maybe Hamannick has opted out because then they have, you know, an extra 3 million cap space, but you look at the deals, they add up to what, 15, 15 and a half, 16. I'm not very good at math. This is why I'm in podcasting, but it's going to be less than it's going to be like, it's not going to be like close to 19 million. Right. So if it's around the 16 million mark, that means they're still counting on or still holding out hope that Travis Hamannick is still going to be in the lineup and be a part of this team. Uh, in one way or another. I don't know how well of a... I don't think there's any appetite for him to be an unvaccinated player to, to be on this team because you're going to be missing half the season. Uh, yeah, team if, already if said that, no to that. Team already yeah. has told him no, for sure. He yeah, and good on the Canucks for holding that line, right? Like, these right. players need to be, I think, vaccinated, not just for, again, for being, you know, prominent members of the community as a whole, but just to be a functional NHL team, you do have to be uh, doubly vaccinated. But... Yeah, it looks like Alex Chason ha- has earned a spot uh, regardless if Pedersen and Hughes uh, come back uh, to training camp in a, in a timely manner, right? Yeah, I also think it's worth factoring in the idea that let's say they, I, the Canucks might have just, might whether or not Hamnick comes back, uh, it, well, let's say that he doesn't come back, that they're, they're factoring in to leave that money open for, the, for his, his replacement, for a replacement mm-hmm. and chase on and chase on as well. Cause that might factor in as well is the, you know, that whatever extra money is left over is going to go to Alex chase on as a, as a, uh, for a paying him $2 million for a year. Like what's going on? There? I think, well, with chase on, I think what'll be interesting is I think in theory, they might give him, uh, the, and this was actually something that, uh, my other podcast partner, Cody Sievertson brought up, uh, which, uh, yesterday, which was that they might give him the same deal as Brandon Sutter. They might essentially go and say, 
okay, the one year, one year, one million dollar deal we gave to Sutter, we're going to give to Chase on now because if Sutter's not available. So essentially that's that quick replacement there that cancels out. And that leaves about three million or so for a replacement defenseman, uh, say like Jason Demers, uh, or or who else might still be available in that market. They might not use all of it. They might leave only, they might leave a little bit uh, extra left over for other for other fixes later on. Which frankly would be the smart thing to do if you don't have to spend all that. You don't have to spend to zero. You can leave a little bit of room. So. Uh, Are you sure yeah, Jim Benning it, knows that? I don't think he knows that. I I don't know. I don't know for sure. I haven't gotten clarity on that, but uh, uh, you know, you you'd hope so. You hope he does, <laughs> and you hope that they, yeah, they leave themselves some wiggle room for, uh, you know, if teams looking good down in late in March. You never know. You might be able to buy someone pretty decent on the free on the trade deadline. There's, it's, uh, you want to leave yourself as many options and as many possibilities open as you can. And right now it's kind of looking like they're going to get into a situation here where Chase on is going to get his deal. He's going to get to play probably good minutes here. He's probably going to get some power play opportunities and you might, and you might see them bring in a replacement defenseman uh, for Hamannick. Should he not, should he decide to opt out? And frankly, they could look like a pretty, after worrying so much about the Canucks and their depth overall over the last couple of weeks, uh, we could be entering the season looking pretty decent uh, right out of the gate here. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, Alex Chason, you know, just ba- if you base all the practice lines we talked about yesterday, he's going to get a prominent opportunity to start, right? He's going to get power play time. He was playing with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson, which means top six, uh, top nine for someone like Alex Chason. I, 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 I agree with you in the sense that you don't have to spend that whole three million if Hamnick does opt out, right? Because look, a million dollar defenseman, let's say Jason Mers takes a million. Is it really going to be that big of a needle mover if you're the Vancouver Canucks on 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 the blue line for for a million dollars? I I just say just keep the cap keep the cap space in in case you know something comes up, a trade opportunity comes up, and just kind of hold the line because you know with Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes's new deals, you're gonna be you're gonna be right up against it if if Hamnick does come back, right? Uh, yes, if Hamnick comes back, you're going to be right. You're going to be right up against that cap space. I will say that you know the depth helps. Like I think having like even if that that one million dollar defenseman for Demers, like sure that might eat into that three that's left. Like you'll only have two about two or two plus left over. But I do think that you know like we've seen with the Canucks in the past, injuries often come to haunt them very quickly. And I think you want I think you you want as many as many defensive chips as you can get, especially like and low cost no frill contracts for cheap depth is i would in my opinion always a good a good choice i think it's something the canucks really struggled at 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 trying to do in years past this year they really went all in on it and you wish they had done it a lot sooner because it it's great it's great that they have a lot of options in the ahl and that they actually took the time to spend on cheap depth that they could bring up later on that's what you want that's what you want to be doing i think demers would or any any defenseman i should say really any defenseman you might bring for that one million dollar price tag or lower is a good cheap buy that you know it's worth trying it's worth bringing in and giving yourself as many opportunities to ice an nhl lineup as you possibly can yeah and the canucks are going to have a, a fairly decent top nine with Elias Patterson back the defense at least looks a lot better on paper with Quinn Hughes uh, back. So do not fret Canucks fans. Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, by all reports, going to be back in training camp with the main group uh, very, very soon. But that has it for today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you once again for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. 
And after this, make sure your second listen of the day is Locked on Bets. Betting on hockey doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, the wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Canucks and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have full episodes on YouTube every single day. Locked On Canucks there. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi Lachlan. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lock in the Crease. You can find my writing work at LockInTheCrease.com. I write there sometimes. All right. Thank you once again for listening to Locked On Canucks today. See you on Monday.